let's take a short-term view only to acknowledge that COVID has accelerated what's been a long trend, which is essentially a kind of diminishing role of the branch and the diminishing role of a lot of account servicing and client interactions through the branch and may just made that you know, impossible in the short term. And I suspect that's probably going to be welcome both by a range of customers as well as by a range of businesses. It kind of puts one more nail in the coffin and the idea that financial services should be distributed through a branch. I do want to just acknowledge, though, that there are populations that will continue to use branches because they need to, because it's both culturally and socially appropriate for them. But I think generationally, that's changing. Sometimes some of our clients and banks have said, yeah, but for example, people really want to go visit the branch to talk about their mortgages. And I think that's not really reflecting an underlying desire of humans to want to spend that much time with a banker and really more the product of mortgages being so ungodly complex that you have to actually have a human being sit down and explain them to you. Look, the future of retail banking is probably going to break in one of two directions. It's either going to become the anonymous dumb plumbing in a transactional world that's fronted by essentially brands and service providers that are more, far more present, persistent, and relevant to consumers. So I'm thinking specifically in things like e-commerce and payments, or in things like home ownership, the concept of embedded finance, you can extend that too to embedded insurance. But banks and retail banks will either have a role which is completely anonymous, providing the transactional infrastructure and the utilities that allow people to participate in transactions like KYC and authentication and secure identity. Or banks can actually have a branded and meaningful role in those kinds of transactional environments. And that's where we start to see some partnerships between technology companies and banks where they're both looking for an interface to customer in order to establish you know, some degree of stickiness. The questions behind that become, what does the tech company want to get out of it versus the bank? What are the compatibility between commercial models and distribution models? And fundamentally, what's the value of that customer relationship to those two different partners? Retail banking, as you've described, as a transactional service is just a commodity service. There's, there's nothing exciting about it. There are no frills to it. And it can be and is becoming a highly competitive marketplace. So where does that leave us in terms of the banking institutions going forward? They are not necessarily going to be the people we will be dealing with in future as individual customers. I spent an awful lot of time with my clients without getting into a tangent, but really in, a, in programs around building personal competencies for leaders. And it's in many of the personal conversations, I ask them, you know, are you proud about being in finance? And do you tell your kids about being a banker? Do you want them to grow up to be a banker? And there is a residual desire to see themselves as being part of the community, to being connected meaningfully to consumers around them. And I don't mean like in a sentimental way. I mean, literally, the, the belief is that the bank plays a really critical role in helping people get a home, start a bit new, new business, uh, extend themselves, build up their lives. But it feels like it's a fleeting relationship, meaning or disappearing relationship. But it's one I think that they really are keen to basically rekindle and to redevelop. The other observation is that technologically, if I look at what a bank you know, is and what it's done, even from the very history of banking. My argument is that it was built around a time when banking was hard, expensive, and rare. 
right? The ability to basically move money from people who had an excess of it to people who needed it, and then to facilitate that in a secure way. Technologically speaking, it's now incredibly cheap, pervasive, and really simple. And so I don't need a bank, again, from a technological point of view. But the institution still exists in many instances at the behest of regulators to keep bad ideas and bad people out of the financial system. But it, the banks need to accept that technologically what they do is no longer useful or expensive, shouldn't be expensive, and it shouldn't be so hard. They have to you know, make it simple, make it inexpensive, make it widely accessible, and then figure out what's the new thing that's going to be really valuable for people that they're willing to pay for. Let's pick up on the role of the, the big tech companies and what they're doing and what they want and expect to be able to do in the future and the way they're tying up with banks. The most kind of obvious examples that people like to, to look at would be questions around whether it's Alibaba or Amazon or Facebook. You can equally look at Tencent or you can look at TikTok. But let's just, let's just take Facebook. And I've used this as initially as almost like a bit of a kind of canonical warning. If Facebook decided to get into the payment space, whether by floating their own currency or by enabling it by being an account information service provider, the intention would be to actually facilitate payments between Facebook members and merchants or face between Facebook members. But the commercial model for Facebook would not be that they want to make, you know, bips off of each transaction, though they might try, try to price accordingly. Is that they would love to have the transactional data about what every person spends their money on to drive their advertising engine. So imagine Facebook showing up and basically pricing all payments to zero. It basically destroys any margin that a bank might get because they think that you know facilitating payments is core to their business. So the the, the discrepancies between commercial models between big tech and big banks it can be really jarring. And I think banks don't yet have the handle on what are the commercial models of these big tech companies. And are we enabling that in a way that's margin accretive to us and to them? Or are we enabling that in a way that's margin diluted to us? I think the Goldman Sachs tie up with Amazon in the early days, given that they're going after potentially, you know, loans and credit lines of credit and the rates on those are so high, there's a lot of fat in that partnership potentially in that market to tie up. But in a low for long environment for other lending products, for example, that may be, you know, the game of, of or sort of say that the difference in, in BIPs in terms of returns can be potentially catastrophic. But if I, if I step back to your original question, the what big tech more often than not wants to do is either to complement their existing business by embedding transactional capabilities or they want access to the data that lives behind those transactions. And if payments, in the first case, if payments are a source of friction for a customer experience on a platform like, say, Amazon, meaning payments are actually conducted outside of the platform and they're subject to banks' sort of traditional settling and clearing mechanisms, then it's a bad experience for customers. And so Amazon can bring that capability internally and find ways to streamline it, either by bringing new data or new technology or both, and create less friction on the platform. It may be in the case of getting actual data around those transactions, like the Facebook example, where the transactional history actually fuels a different commercial model. 
for tech companies, the value of tying up with banks can be clear just so long as they can stay outside of the walls of the regulated marketplace. It sounds to me as though the, the bank is being squeezed in the center and is going to be responsible just for security and to satisfy regulatory requirements. But the relationship is going to be between customer to customer or customer to big brand. That's definitely been the tendency, and many of many of our clients in the banking space have shared kind of the amusing comparison between you know what happens in medieval towns and churches and the royal family inside of the castle walls. As commerce moved outside of the walls and outside of the scope of protection, the the church and the uh, monarchy lost influence. And I think that a lot of big tech companies are very well aware of where that wall is. And they're more than happy to build up outside of it, but don't want to go across it. You can see big tech picking off particular kinds of relatively higher margin products out of the banking portfolio and skirting the kind of highly regulated products and services like deposit taking, et cetera. Again, when I laid out those two different directions that retail banks might take, that you know, when they become the anonymous dumb plumbing for technology companies, it's because they haven't recognized that that's the general trend and the way that tech would like to use banks. And they haven't developed a strategy for how do they have a compatible proposition uh, for consumers in a world which is being mediated by propositions around things like e-commerce, communications, social media. The banks haven't figured that out yet because they don't really have a history of understanding those things with their consumers. Okay, what I'm hearing is that at one level, banking is a bunch of dinosaurs that haven't realized the meteors hit yet. In, my, in some instances, I've, been, I've said that out loud and I've been rebuked by my clients. And I think justifiably, I think they get it. I think they understand that there's no going back to the old days when digital wasn't totally changing everything for them and wasn't totally changing customers' expectations. I think they... They see themselves as dinosaurs and they're trying to change. They're investing billions in transformation programs to try to modernize their core banking systems and technology and their architecture. They're investing even more money in trying to transform their people. They're investing some money in trying to transform their propositions and the way that they show up in market. They feel encumbered by technological debt and regulatory compliance. They feel encumbered by legacy mindsets and talent models. And I think they're painfully aware that they need to change and are trying to change. The question remains, can they, they, can they change fast enough? Because they're in that kind of that, that foot race between essentially the innovators getting the distribution before you know, the incumbents get the innovation. And I think, by the way, that, that little maxim was often batted around when banks looked at fintech when they would say, oh, cool company, I like what they do, but let's see, you know, they don't have 53 million customers. And I've had that conversation, for example, explicitly about Revolut in the UK, where it's, you know, they had 200,000 customers. Well, the next time I had the conversation, it was 500,000, then it was a million. But I think big tech changes that conversation because big tech already has the distribution and big tech already has the innovation. And so the moats that that retail banks think they have in terms of a relationship with millions and millions of customers, they don't actually have. They have the banking license. So I do think they're, they're very painfully aware of the challenge. 
and but they've set their clock speed transformation, I think, historically against their peers. In the past decade, they've had to then recalibrate that track with fintech. They probably came to the conclusion that fintech could be bought, albeit expensively if necessary, but they would probably not get the distribution because they would then become encumbered through regulatory compliance. But big tech, as I said, changes the game. But what banks have to figure out is how their commercial model and the value they create for users, how it competes, collaborates, and builds off of big tech's commercial models, how their competencies can begin to complement one another as opposed to create friction for one another, and fundamentally, what proposition are they really bringing to consumers that consumers would find worth paying for? The problem they've got when they're looking at big tech and they're trying to compete with big tech, if they realize that's who they're competing with, is that somebody like Amazon has been doing this for a couple of decades already. They've, they've got the systems in place. They've got the customer base in place. They've got the understanding of how people behave online that banks may not necessarily have. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And there are, there are significant needs and advantages that big tech holds. I often talk about the pace at which Alibaba, for example, can release product improvements. They do something like 3,000 product improvements every day. I think banks do probably product improvements on their core products maybe like once every month if they're in good shape. Alibaba is able to release a new product basically once a day. Banks may take you know, a very, very long time. Many of our clients would look at those advantages and say that they've been built up over time and earned in an environment that was much easier, meaning it's not regulated. And they would probably look with a kind of a bit of sort of like, you know, schadenfreude in terms of saying like, ah, look at that, you know, they got hit by a data breach (laughs) or they got, you know, they're now being investigated by the regulator. Like it's, it's really more a question of if only they had the pressures and responsibilities that we had, they wouldn't be so smart or so smart or so fast. But that is not a competitive advantage. And so I think we're all right to look at the Alibabas and the Amazons of the world and say, for example, their insight into transactions and their history of actually monitoring their customers, their buyers and their sellers on their platform, and not just within individuals, and individual transactions, but within entire categories, gives them a data and insight advantage that banks just have never had before. Around that, they have the ability to build up credit and risk models that would allow them to basically push more finance earlier and often in trade cycles. Again, where banks historically really feared to tread because of the essentially the loss ratios they might encounter. The advantages of big tech are, again, just not just assets and technology. They're also familiarity and competencies with working with assets and technology, data and technology to make different kinds of decisions at a different block speed. Is there a successful way forward for banks as they currently exist to be able to evolve and succeed? Or are they going to be under continuous pressure? The way I think about it is this. Big tech can come into financial services because it's in that sort of the through the door of the adjacent possible, meaning, hey, we're doing transactions already through our e-commerce platforms. Why not get into financing those transactions? But that door swings both ways. So banks have the opportunity, if they can modernize fast enough in terms of their core systems and their infrastructure and their people and their behavior, They then have choices, which they've never had before. 
which is, do we want to go into actually more than just enabling payments in e-commerce? Do we want to actually bring propositions that are meaningful to our customers around e-commerce, around buying and getting the things that they want, around home and not just buying a home, but living in a home, integrating things like not just lending products, but also insurance products, bringing in new propositions from partners in an open ecosystem to deliver essentially a healthy, happy home. Like, I mean, you can, I can go cartwheeling off into kind of like, you know, fantasy, but the basic ingredients are there. Banks will, if they choose to, still continue to deliver an important utility, which is to help facilitate transactions. But again, digital means that door of adjacent possibility swings both ways. Banks can then start to move into other things that have central or centrally about getting an education, starting a business, buying and living in a home, like, you know, conducting day-to-day life transactionally online. These things are, are they're not out of bounds. Uh, so I do think that, you know, it, for some banks that have that vision and can drive the change needed, that it could be a really exciting future for them. And to be blunt, I'd love to see the competition between banks and big tech to see, you know, essentially who can do more good things for more people for less.